This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. It's Recode Daily. I'm Adam Clark Estes. If you go to the About page for OnlyFans, you'll see a lot of bragging. The company says over one and a half million creators have been posting since the app launched in 2016, and everyone involved is making millions of dollars off subscriber-only content. Probably didn't hurt that Beyonce name-dropped OnlyFans on a Megan Thee Stallion song last year. Now, OnlyFans didn't attract all this attention because of the fitness coaching or baking videos it recommends when you join. What helped the app take off and what Beyonce was talking about in Savage is much more NSFW. OnlyFans never set out to be a platform for sex workers, but OnlyFans probably wouldn't have gone anywhere without them. Vox's Rebecca Jennings describes OnlyFans as a platform that merges sex and social media. And while people have been putting porn on OnlyFans from the start, the platform is now attracting influencers with huge followings. The actress Bella Thorne reportedly made a million dollars in a single day when she joined OnlyFans. Other top earners on the platform include porn star Mia Khalifa and rapper Cardi B. We will be talking about personal stuff. No, I'm not going to be showing my titties or my pussy or my ass. None of that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Rebecca calls this new crop of OnlyFans creators sexfluencers, and she's here to explain. OnlyFans was sort of for people that already had a pretty big fan base. So if you are a fan of someone and you're a super fan and you're willing to pay to see more of that person's content, um, behind the scenes photos, anything that like you wouldn't post to an Instagram or TikTok or something like that, you could pay to have monthly access to that person's content, whether that's photos, written words, videos, etc. It was meant for influencers. It was meant for celebrities to make a couple bucks a month on people who were interested in seeing more of their stuff. And so for sex workers, that was a really, really good way to pay well their content and keep the money that they earned. And how would you define sexfluencer? And when does influencing cross the line into sexfluencing? That's an interesting question because I don't think there's really an answer because, you know, when I was reporting the story, I would ask everyone whether they were sex workers or academics, whether they were OnlyFans creators or full service like escorts, how they would define the line between sex work and influencing or what sex work kind of even is and if you can like sort of put walls around it. And it's a really hard thing to do because if your version of sex work is sending someone a picture of you in a bra for a couple dollars, that could be considered sex work versus, you know, someone who's having sex with people they find on the street or on like a, a back page type site. These distinctions are extremely, extremely blurry when we talk about intimacy and sex. But what I was sort of noticing is sort of the micro influencer to sex worker pipeline where, you know, if you're a woman online and you sort of have an Internet presence that 
it doesn't even have to be that huge, you know, a couple thousand followers here, maybe a couple tens of thousands on Twitter or something. You'll have people in your DMs ask to see pictures of you or a lot of influencers have been able to sort of build that into a pretty lucrative income. So it's very easy and it's a way to build a super community of of super fans. And it sounds like OnlyFans has different policies and rules than, say, Instagram or TikTok. Instagram and TikTok have extremely strict adult content guidelines. So on Facebook and Instagram, you know, if anything even kind of alludes to sex or breasts or women's like body parts that <laughs> that Facebook is uncomfortable with, they will just take it down. Their approach is typically like better safe than sorry. This is a constant, constant complaint from bigger women, women of color, like the algorithms and the moderation algorithms that those sites use over and over again, they punish women for existing, even though it's like arguably sexual or, or, or just sort of existing in their bodies. What makes sex influencing different than, say, being a Pornhub model or a stripper? So online sex work and real in-person sex work are extremely different, but both obviously carry the stigma of performing sex work at all. And the consequences can be extremely severe for that. And so OnlyFans, it's a paywall-only platform. People need to pay to see it at all, provided that your content is not ripped and shared somewhere else. And second of all, you're not putting yourself as much in physical immediate harm, which is not to say that people who do online sex work are not ever put in harm's way because, I mean, stalkers, revenge porn, like consequences for your job, your career, your family, et cetera. Those are all very real. But I was talking to one full service escort for the story and she was like, there's just such a difference between like waiting at your apartment or in a hotel room for someone to walk through the door and have sex with you versus putting your body on the internet and hoping that the things that can happen from that don't happen. And so I think there's like a, a big breadth of discussion around whether online sex work, quote unquote, counts. Um, and people have a lot of like varying opinions on that. But it's a lot of like admin work from what I've heard. It's like if you are an online sex worker, you have to operate like an online business. You have to market yourself. OnlyFans as a platform is really, really difficult to use. And it's not like a Twitter or an Instagram or a TikTok where it's sort of like intuitive in the way. With OnlyFans, you kind of already have to have a platform already built up by the time that you open an account because no one's going to find you on there because it's impossible to like search for anybody. And it seems like OnlyFans got pretty popular pretty quickly and pretty recently. Why is this type of DIY porn, as you call it, in such high demand in recent years? Yeah, I would probably put the interest on social media because I think it sort of made us all have to be like really good at curating a certain version of ourselves online. And especially with celebrities, it allowed them to bypass the traditional barriers of like media and magazines to talk directly to their fans. And then we got to see a much more authentic or whatever side to people that we've seen on screens and through the internet. So I think through that, like, we consumed so much more media that felt more like real life than like a movie or a magazine. And therefore, I think our tastes in porn changed as well. You wanted to get the sense that this wasn't some glammed up shoot in this weird mansion in L.A. like that was clearly rented out for a porn scene or something. And you didn't necessarily want someone who looked as though they had a ton of work done or that they looked like a professional porn star. You wanted someone who looked like they maybe looked on Instagram because that's what our sort of standard for what is attractive and good is. 
And I think a lot of the parasocial relationships that have been able to develop because of those kind of like seemingly authentic interactions between, you know, fan and celebrity has really encouraged us to break those typical boundaries between who is a celebrity and who isn't. You know, there's a lot more back and forth between are you famous or are you just a person with an Instagram? Those boundaries are barely even there. And along with this trend, there's a phrase that I keep hearing more and more, which is parasocial relationships. First of all, what are they and how do they play into this dynamic of the quote unquote girlfriend experience that OnlyFans is known for? I mean, a parasocial relationship, it can sort of easily be described as a one-sided relationship where a person develops a relationship with, say, podcast hosts that they listen to all the time or a TV character that they're really into. Hey, wait, parasocial relationships are unhealthy. I don't give a pair of fuck. This is my best friend. The person who's the object of affection doesn't necessarily know or knows in comparison very little about the other person who is feeling this relationship with them. John Mulaney and his wife Anna are getting divorced. What's going to happen to Petunia? That's my wife. These have existed ever since like celebrities and people in the public eye have existed. You know, like everybody has parasocial relationships with their favorite podcast host. Maybe you have some people who have parasocial relationships with you. Um, and, so, <laughs> and so, you know, it's a very common thing. But I think what OnlyFans allows it to be used for is it's monetizable. You know, you can you can have an e-girlfriend. You can have a couple e-girlfriends that you pay like 10 bucks a month to and she'll DM you back and forth and send you pictures and. And it feels like a, you know, maybe a typical relationship. And so these are really attractive things for both, both the person paying for them and also the sex worker because it allows them to sort of operate in a more safe environment and be in more control of their income. And is there such a thing as a boyfriend experience? Oh, absolutely. I think like it isn't just the female sex worker and the male fan. There are all all kinds of relationships that exist online that are sexual relationships that are kink relationships. My story obviously focused on the example that you might think of at your head is like the OnlyFans girl and her thirsty simps, <laughs> um, because I think that's like the most visible kind. But I think there are as many parasocial e-girlfriend, e-boyfriend, e-they-friend relationships that exist on OnlyFans that exist in the real world. And you mentioned that a lot of people popular on OnlyFans went to the platform having a large following already on other platforms like uh, Bella Thorne, for example. And they migrated to OnlyFans and to sexfluencing. What's the deal with that? Yeah, so that's had a lot of backlash, especially the Bella Thorne incident. I think that's probably the most notorious one. Uh, I guess Bella Thorne is just like the new Lindsay Lohan. Thanks for fucking over my friends, by the way, and fucking over all the low-income people who were using OnlyFans. Got greedy, huh? When you have a big celebrity who, quote unquote, doesn't need to be there or makes enough money elsewhere and is just looking for an extra buck posting, you know, a cleavage picture or something a little bit too scandalous for Instagram or something, but not necessarily risking as much as online sex workers do who perform porn or things that are riskier and have bigger consequences, especially for famous people. And so I think there's a lot of... Um, 
resentment towards people like Bella Thorne who like, you know, try to make a splash by like, I'm going on OnlyFans. And so they're making all this money, sometimes at the expense of other OnlyFans creators who say that when a celebrity joins, sometimes they'll see their monthly subscriber count go down because people have like a certain amount of money that they use for their OnlyFans budget and they can only give it to certain people. So there are, you know, a lot of a lot of divisions between sex workers with an enormous amount of privilege, such as a Bella Thorne or another celebrity versus a sex worker who uses OnlyFans as like their most important source of income. Going back to kind of the early days of OnlyFans, what about the sex workers on OnlyFans who were using the app long before influencers started to show up? What does this phenomenon mean for them? I think, honestly, OnlyFans has always been designed for people that already have a pretty big following. You know, like it's in the name, you know, you have enough fans that your super fans are going to pay for this. So I think OnlyFans as a company has always tried to attract celebrities and influencers. And it worked, obviously, eventually. But the reason that it became such a big deal is that so many people who weren't necessarily sex workers or were sex workers and were looking for a way to monetize online. And really, that's the heart of OnlyFans as a platform, not necessarily the Cardi B's or the Bella Thorns or the influencers who join, but don't necessarily put a ton of work into it. So I think as long as OnlyFans exists, it really has a responsibility to that user base of people who have found it as a really solid way to supplement their income or create a better income and made a safer life doing sex work because a lot of people enjoy this type of work a lot more and it's a, it's a lot of really hard work. It's, it's marketing, it's every single day getting on there advertising online, figuring out like how to even do that. Um, it's a lot of like SEO work. And I think those people deserve to be prioritized by OnlyFans. Rebecca, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Today's episode was produced by Tori Dominguez and engineered by Melissa Ponce from Hemlock Creek Productions. I'm Adam Clark Estes. Thanks for listening. <laughs>